Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. And for the second time this week, I bring you John Gibson. You lucky, lucky people. I suppose we are feeling quite lucky, John, aren't we? The form Newcastle are in. Every match preview is a positive and optimistic one. You just cannot stop winning. Um, yeah, Brentford. Wonderful, Andrew. Wonderful. And we've waited for many a year for a, a season like this, haven't we? And um, it just gets better and better. Uh, it really does, results-wise. And the records keep tumbling away. We've no, we've gone on about, uh, you know, we have the least number of defeats in the league and we've got the best defensive record. We're now scattering all the records for a away team. Um, and it's just terrific. And uh, nobody can say it's a fluke when you reach this stage of the season and you're, you're racking up the sort of results Newcastle are. Yeah, it's just good coaching, excellent players and just the best team in the Premier League. Now, Newcastle face Brentford on Saturday, so they've stayed down after their game yeah. against West Ham. What did we learn from the game against West Ham? I'm going to say something, John. We learned... Well, I don't know if we've learned it because we, I think we've said it enough times. We're just never going to be able to predict an Eddie Howe starting eleven, are we? Because no one uh, predicted that starting eleven. No, no, uh, it's absolutely impossible to do with Eddie because every time you you give a reasoned uh, observation about what he's going to do, he doesn't do it. Uh, but every time, and I'm dreadfully thankful for this, every time whatever he does turns out to be pure gold whether that's by chance or because he's the greatest mind in football today, and I would like to think it was the second, not the first, it happens. I mean, it was two major calls down at West Ham to bring Wilson in ahead of Isaac, who has had everybody by the ears for his performances recently. And yes, it was easier to bring Joe Linton in for Willock because Willock had a bit of an injury. Although I think that was overplayed, uh, not deliberately. You know, there was the worry straight after the game um, at home that he had this hamstring, but it was overplayed, I think. He quickly returned to training and he looked under no restrictions when he came on. But, you know, you pick a Newcastle side, you make two changes in it, and you bring in Wilson, who scores two goals, and you bring in Joe Linton, that scores two goals. I mean, who can complain about his team selection? And that includes Isaac and uh, Willick. Yeah, well, we mentioned, didn't we, in the uh, the match preview earlier in the week, that every single player that's been given an opportunity, whether it's coming off the bench, whether it's starting in place of someone who 
the majority thing should be starting. They're yeah. taking their chances. You know, another good performance from Jacob Murphy yesterday. Very clever for Wilson's second goal. You mentioned there Wilson grabbing two goals. And then Isaac comes off the bench and scores a very, very good goal. It's, you know, Eddie Howe, when he does eventually take a, a step back, whether that'll be today or, you know, in the hours before the Brentford game, he'll just be loving what he's got in front of him because every single man is taking every single opportunity that comes their way. And you'll not want to, neither his players or himself will want to go to bed, you know, in case you wake up and things are different in the morning. I mean, we're on such a run that you just wanted to roll on and roll on and roll on. And I know a lot of neutrals would say, and they've said it to me, neutrals, hey, well, you want to play West Ham every week. The, the mistakes they made were horrendous. And indeed they were. But, you know, there's a reason for that. And I talked about it when we did the preview to this, Andrew, and said, you know, people say the team we play plays poorly, but they play poorly because we make them play poorly. And in this game, they made a lot of mistakes. But we panic sides into mistakes mistakes we're so fit we're so quick we've got such a high press I mean who would have expected in, in normal games for when the keeper rolls the ball out to his defender that Murphy's going to come from nowhere and try to close down as quickly as he did and it produces blind panic and that's that's what happened with uh, with West Ham and Murphy did tremendous on that and he equally did tremendous to have the nous to square the ball instead of going for glory himself and giving Wilson a tap in because a lot of players even though the angle was tight, would say, if I can finish this, I'm the glory boy. And he just rolled it in front of the post for a typical centre-forwards goal for Wilson. And um, that was the goal that turned everything. We're in command at 2-0. They got a 2-1 back when Pope was blocked off a little bit and then got under the ball and could have done better. They were 2-1. They're coming out for the second half and we think they'll put us under the cosh. But Within 22 seconds, we're 3-1, and after that, we just ran away with it. Mm, a great performance. I mean, I think what pleased me the most is that for the first half, it was a very scrappy affair. Newcastle United were not at their best. There was a lot of space that allowed West Ham to drive forward, and yet Newcastle still went in 2-1 up to the good. And I, I don't actually think it was their best performance of the season. I know they've scored five goals, but I don't think it was when you look back on all the games and all the victories that you'll you'll hold this one up as one of the overall best performances. And yet they've scored five goals. I don't know about you. Does it seem strange saying that? I don't, well, it, it would have done if we, to anybody that didn't actually watch the game live because you would say, how can that be? You know, you win five and you talk about it being slightly iffy. If you watched the game, you'd know why you say that. Newcastle started very slowly, which for them is not usual. Um, they almost scored within the first minute. Um, and there was a lot of gifting of, of goals to us as the game went on. We, When you say, you know, we won five, but it wasn't one of our best performances of the season, it was nowhere near as good a performance as the game before that. Manchester United performance was fabulous. This was less so, but who cares? It was totally... The result was totally justified. You can't win five-one and not deserve it. That's that's a physical impossibility, and they thoroughly did deserve it. But 
it wasn't. And I think Eddie Howe realised that. And it, it, it a couple of, I, I bet Eddie Howe at half time got into them and said they shouldn't be back in the game. It should be 2-0. They shouldn't be back in the game. It's 2-1. It could get iffy at the beginning of the second half. Pull yourselves together. Job to be done. Great reaction to that if he did do that, and I'm certain he did, because it ended up 5-1. But no, it wasn't the best performance of the season. But you know what? That's what good teams do. When they're not up to scratch, they still go on and win 5-1. And that's what good teams do. But, but do you look at elements of that first half and people will be shouting now with their speakers and their headphones saying, don't bring it down, Andrew, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Do you look at elements of that first half, John, where West Ham were able to, to come forward it, with relative ease, not much opposition, like I said, there was a lot of space. And do you look at Brentford's quality? Because there's no doubt in that this season, Brentford are, are the much better side than West Ham. Ivan Tony's, you know, in a great run of form. They were unlucky against Manchester United. I just wonder whether a team in a better mood, better you know, players, better form, will maybe punish Newcastle if they allow the opposition that much space, i.e. on Saturday? Well, we didn't allow Manchester United that much space. I, I would hope that it was just a one-off. And yes, you can make a case out for... Um, for Brentford being better than West Ham, but he could make out a case for Cocky Juniors being better than West Ham because they were absolutely uh, abysmal. Uh, having said that, um, no, if if I had to fear anybody, and let me stress these days that I don't fear, Newcastle are, are doing so well, I don't fear any side, but the side that will test us out of these three away games is Aston Villa. I, I I think they're the side on the up. That's they've over the last X number of games since their manager come Emery, they've actually got better results than us. And look at the results we've had recently. They've had better results, Villa. And I think that's where the test comes. Yes, Brentford are an attractive side. Uh, they play good football, looking high press, the same as us. They've got a super centre forward, and Ivan Tony, etc., etc. But you know what? The last time we played them, it was the same scoreline as at West Ham. We beat them 5-1. I know it was St James's Park, and if you go back to that game, they defended like West Ham defended that particular match. They really did. But Newcastle do that to teams. It'll be a darn sight more difficult at Brentford than it was at St James's Park. But you know what? When, I, when that dawned on me last night, I thought, aye up, aye up. They'll look at that, 5-1 Newcastle, and if they've got any memory, they'll say, oh, dear me, wasn't that the score at St James's Park? Another 5 I'm not suggesting it's going to be 5-1 on Saturday, but I'm suggesting that we have nothing to fear uh, bar ourselves. That is the, the only thing to fear. I, I went through that performance yesterday, and while there was uh, the odd blip and why we weren't on form let us be positive because we we ought to be positive after a five goal victory some of the performances like wilson's performance with his two goals and his overall line leadership like joe linton's performance not just his two goals but coming back after not being in the side through suspension and dominating the game like he did both in midfield and when he went wide left was absolutely wonderful Murphy was terrific yet again Bruno's just Bruno 
we almost forget to mention him because he plays well every game. But he, he was terrific. I mean, if I'm going to nitpick, and I'm not, but the one thing that bothered me, really, as much as them having space, etc., etc., if there was the slightest thing, and now always is, because there's no such thing as the perfect performance, if there was anything at all, and this would apply from the first minute of the game, it was Dan Byrne, is, is, he's suffering from an L of a problem, and that is long legs, L, and lack of pace, L. Um, and he was the one that Bone skinned when Bruno put it onto his own post in 22 seconds. And Bone going down that side, done him for lack of pace a few times. It's going to happen because he hasn't got space and he's not a left back. He's got a head to say, hot the size of a fine pan, there we go. And he has, and that does keep him going. And that's what makes him so beloved. But if we have a, a chink in our armour at the moment, it's burn, and it's going to catch up with him if we're not careful. And it is going to be the reason why we will buy a left-back in the summer. In the meantime, there'll be some supporters say, we're close to perfection, but should target start ahead of Byrne because he's a more natural left-back. That's open for discussion. It won't happen in terms of the manager's faith in Byrne. Having said that, it's bound to happen because now because he never does what we expect him to do, does Eddie. But um, I, I, I thought it, it, the game looks, looks not just this game, but against Anthony early on when they played Man United, it looks as if it's getting near to being a game too far for for Big Dan. Um, but hopefully he'll get his second wind. And if it's down to courage and guts and determination, then he'll get through this. Yeah, I mean, me and uh, Aaron Stokes, we were texting during the game and we were saying, you know, Dan Byrne is, is having a bit of a, um, a, a tough game. You know, obviously to have Matt Target on the bench, do you think... Bear in mind what you've just said, John. Matt Target might start for Newcastle versus Brentford. If I'm trying to second-guess Eddie, I'm going to pack in because trying to do that is just an impossible task. Uh, as I say, these two changes last night, they was expecting Callum Wilson to start ahead of Isaac, the way Isaac's been playing. Um, there's fans that would want that. I might be happy with that. Um, uh Dan's got so much determination, he might well come again. There's a lot of loyalty shown by Eddie, so I think he might not do it. It's obvious he doesn't fancy Target. That, that's obvious because Target's a natural left-back and if he is out of the team for a, a, a centre-half who's eight foot six and has no pace, then he's got to take a serious look at himself. And if we are going to buy a left-back in the summer, and we are, what does that tell you about Target? Well, what's it tell you even more about Jamal Lewis, of course? But, um, you know, uh, I would be tempted to play him because I think the big man could do with the rest. But I, I've got a feeling it won't happen. It's certainly going to be a big call. And Eddie Howe, John, was asked about rotation um, ahead of the Brentford game. And he said, in my opinion, I'd be foolish not to rotate and trust the team. I trust the squad and the players coming in. I've got no doubt on the quality and we've got a lot of games in a short period of time. It's always going to be judged by the result, whether that, i.e. the rotation, is successful or not. And of course, I want to keep people fit and give them the best chance to play as many games as possible. 
So, I mean, what you get from that is, in an ideal world, he doesn't change a win inside. We know that that's Eddie Howe's way. But he also knows this is a big, big tiring week. He's got a big game against a very good opposition tomorrow, Saturday. Um, I suppose the one thing maybe counting against Matt Target is that he just hasn't had minutes. Like, no, you know, yeah. Jacob Murphy comes in, he's had a lot of minutes. He was Eddie Howe's most used substitute. You know, Wilson's played games before he was rested, dropped. He's come back in. He's had so appearances. Everyone that's come in has had minutes under the belt. My target, off my head, probably yeah. had, what, 10, 12 minutes? Sub- yeah, he, he hasn't. He hasn't. The only thing you can say if you were wanting to make a Matt target case is that when Lascelles come in at Man City, he'd had no time at all and he off-played well in that particular game against very tough opposition may we say um but yes i would think in eddie's mind that would um that would count against matt the interesting thing is uh, you know how would he spread the load or would he spread the load because if he wants to stick with an unchanged team he can do that because the bench is so good you know that while your team's unchanged they might they, they need only play an hour the, the majority of them may only play an hour because isn't it fabulous that we go down there and we change after an hour or a little bit more and you've got people of the quality of Willick, Isaac and Anthony Gordon to come on. That is that is a quality bench. And when's the last time we've talked about Newcastle United having a quality bench? Because we've had a very, very thin bench. That is a quality bench. We used to have a bench that, and this is no disrespect to the names I'm going to mention, but Paul Dummett and Jamal Lewis, who are never in the running to to start a game in the Premier League at all, ever. But they were on the bench because our bench was that thin. They're not on the bench now. We're there, John. No, this, I mean, this is Eddie Howe. Could you imagine the starting eleven on Saturday either being Mark Rich or Jamal Lewis at left back? Uh, no, I couldn't. But yeah, but it is it is anyhow, as you rightly say. I mean, I I couldn't imagine when we went to Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, the team we put out that day. If you remember, we had the best defensive record in the league, and then we changed all the four back four and the keeper. But anyway, I'm not talking about FA Cup because that's yesterday's news. This team's cooking on gas and we're up at third top. We're deservedly third top. We've got everybody terrified that's around us, like Spurs and Man U and uh, everyone else. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool don't even come into equation. Who would have thought before this season started that Chelsea and Liverpool wouldn't be choking on our exhaust fumes because they wouldn't be close enough to do that. I mean, where would would Liverpool be in a relegation fight if they didn't have the six points we, we'd uh, given them? I mean, it's ridiculous how they are, isn't it? Well, well just on Chelsea, um, by the time this goes out, it's, it's very likely Frank Lampard will be caretaker manager. Just give me your thoughts on that one, John. Yeah, well, well, it is amazing, isn't it? I mean, the only concern I have when I, when I looked at the situation and I saw Roy Hodgson went back to um, Crystal Palace and Frank Lampard's gone back to Chelsea... As if for some reason Eddie Howe went down with the Lurgy or went off to manage England or some other club, that we might get Steve Bruce back on the current 
climate and now that does terrify me. That did keep me awake for a little while last night. But uh, no, it, it's amazing. I don't care what these other sides do. They can get on with it, whether it's right to bring people back. And they say never do that because, uh, but Crystal Palace got a result straight away. They bought Hodgson back. They won in the 96th minute or whatever it was. But honestly, that's for teams with problems and relegation and sacking managers that we wonderfully, having lived in that world for a decade and a half and uh, Sports Direct are no longer in that world. So isn't it wonderful to say, well, that isn't our problem? And I've never looked really too much at the bottom of the table. People say, oh, that West Ham result, what's it done for them? I couldn't care what it's done for them and I didn't bother looking at what it's done for them because I know what it's done for us at the other end of the table. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no, it is great to be able to be at this stage of the season, and you know we're we're looking at the top end of the table and, and European qualification. It's it's so refreshing. Uh, it does take some getting used to. Brentford, John, they are a very good side. I'm I'm really if if I'm if I did, if I was a neutral, I'd be really looking forward to this game because I think you're going to get to see. Well, you're not going to get to see because it's not live on telly annoyingly. So you'll have to follow us through our dedicated live blog on chroniclelive.co.uk. What a plug. Um, yes. But, you know, they're two quality sides, I think. I think it's going to be a really good game for the neutral. Yeah. I, I really like what Brentford are doing on and off the pitch. I think they've got some good quality players. I mean, Ivan Tony is the one that Newcastle are going to have to stop. I mean, he is. he. If he turned up in a black and white shirt in the summer, I'd be very happy. Used to wear black and white shirt in the reserves, I think, uh, which is a, a, a bit of a tragedy. He is a good player, uh, and they are quality side. But we are more of a quality side. Just look at the table. Uh, that tells you which one's more of the quality side, but they are a quality side. But they're not unbeatable. They, 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 you know, when you have your Guy Fawkes night and you have this the, the little sparkler and you light it and it sparks up and the air is beautiful, it dies as well, that sparkler. Um, and we have had wonderful sides just beneath Newcastle that, that flare for a little while and look super in a darkened sky and full of lights and tinkles and twinkles and but does it last you have it with fulham you have it with brighton you have it with brentford they they are a breath of fresh air but can they keep it going and brentford will be a, a hugely more competitive game than west ham give us there's absolutely no doubt about that but if we are third third top with three defeats in 28 games in the best defensive record in the Premier League, and we start getting worried about Brentford, or anybody else, by the way, for that matter, there's something sadly wrong. And you know why we do worry, my friend? It's because we're Geordies. We've been brought up to worry. We've been brought up to think the balloon very rarely gets blown up to its full extent. And if it does, somebody's going to prick it. And we're used to that and it taking a little while to get used to the new world we live in, which is 
you know, we're now in Savile Road. We used to be in the Doss House. Uh, it's a different world, and we still haven't quite got used to that. I'm not underplaying what Saturday is going to be like. Saturday's going to be hard. There's no question. But have we not faced hard games this season? Did we go to Spurs and win? Did we go to Manchester United and draw? Did we go to Arsenal and draw? Um, you know, did we beat Manchester United at home? We we have faced these games before. It's going to be tough. You have a little bit of apprehension because you've got good respect for Brentford and quite rightly so. My apprehension is a little bit more about playing Aston Villa the next game. Because I think, you know, Aston Villa had good players. Ollie Watkins, I was surprised. It, Ollie, it needed somebody to give him a kiss and a cuddle. He was ready-made to be an Almiran, to be a Joe Linton, to be somebody that is not being appreciated and is just in this mediocrity. Then a new manager comes in, gives him a kiss and a cuddle, tells him he's the best centre-forward that he's ever seen and he's got to be because he's in the England squad. This is what Emery will be saying to him. And all of a sudden he's scoring every single game. It's no surprise he was a good player. And, and, and they have other good players. And, and I think all round they have slightly better players, Villa, than Brentford have or Fulham have, um, as for example. And so I think, you know, when we're talking next week, it'll be interesting. And by the way, Aston Villa, who's gone on this incredible run and on our shirt tails now, they're at home to Forest on, on this week, this coming weekend. And Forest travel and stink the place out, don't they? So yeah. Yeah, I would expect Villa to win that. Yeah, if you could have one striker, would it be Tony or would it be Watkins out of interest? Brilliant question. Uh, I think it would be Tony. I'm glad that you've asked the question, which is a sensible question, as opposed to would it be Messi or Mpapi or whatever. Yeah, which is Fantasy Island stuff, isn't it? I mean, there's no reason not to have a bit of fun about that, but it is Fantasy Island stuff. The other stuff's realistic. Um, obviously, the, the Newcastle have stayed down in London, John. Yeah. They've decided not to travel back. Uh, what benefit will, will that bring for Saturday? Well, without a shadow of a doubt, it'll bring massive benefit because you travel back overnight, you're back home today, you rest today, you've got the kids jumping all over your head and daddy this and daddy that and you better go out and get the shopping because it's Easter and all this sort of thing. You get a day's training and then you're back travelling again down there. No, thank you very much. Get in a hotel outside of the centre of London. Relax. Enjoy yourself. You're with your mates. Do a little bit of training. Do a little bit of bonding. Get across London and give that lot of smacking like you just give West Ham a smacking. It is the obvious thing to do, but there's been bags of times in the past when we haven't done obvious things, and it's the right thing to do. It's the professional thing to do. Coming back home and going back again, it would have been the stupid thing to do. And I guess as well, as you mentioned there, you're, you're with your mates. There's just such a unity within the camp. I wrote about it earlier in the week about how those that are either rested or dropped or not getting in a look in who maybe think they should be, no one's kicking off. There's no disgruntled voices. You know, everyone's just got this one goal, this one aim, making Newcastle United the best they can do. And, you know, the players, of course, they'll want to, you know, spend time with a family, but they'll not be too disappointed spending, you know, a couple of yeah. nights in a nice hotel with it with, with the group because they are mates. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the good things talking about that, you know, all for one and one for all um, scenario that is very prevalent in Newcastle and very obvious when you're on the pitch. Uh, I've got a feel I've got to mention because he's had a lot of criticism and some of it from me and most of it deserved. I've been absolutely delighted with Maxi the last two games because there was talk that if somebody wasn't quite buying in to um, this camaraderie, even when you're not in the team sort of business, the, the suspicion was if there was somebody, that somebody was Maxi, who at times looked a, a bit down that he wasn't in and a bit not the bubbly self he was. He has been accused by a lot of people about his stats. My best mate, Malcolm McDonald's amongst them, who was, I, I'm dying to speak to him because he's been on Max's case for an age, saying what's his goals and what's his stats. Well, his stats over the last two games is two assists on the first goal. They, they had headed back for Willock to score against Manchester United in the lovely cross for Wilson to score with a header. Both were opening goals and therefore both are crucial when they're opening goals. His pass, he's actually getting his head up now and looking. And what a different player he looks in. And he terrifies people. And he looks as if he is really on the same wavelength and is bought in. And the loyalty shown by Houghton who could have dropped him after he, he, he was substituted at half-time in the, the away game. Was it Forrest? Yeah. Um, he could have easily dropped him. He stuck with him and started with him. And he was great against Manchester United. He started with him down there and he was great against them. Um, so I've got to mention him because he's bought into it and done terrific, Maxi, in the last two games. Good on him. One word, John. Consistency. It's, he's been consistent. That's all we've ever wanted. Consistency. Yeah. Oh, yes. Often a lot of skillful players, that's their one downfall. They're not consistent. A lot of what we call ball tanner ball players in the past, a lot of them come out of Scotland. They say they're tanner ball players, but they and on the day they're sensational. But, you know, I used to say you could drop them after that a sensational game because he knew the next one they were just going to be out with a cigar and not do it. But he's shown consistency in the last two games. But he's also shown something that's a bit more inconsistency for me, you know. He's shown awareness. And he, the one thing he never had was an awareness of where people were around him. He, he just used to get his head down, run, 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 left, right, left, right, up his own trouser leg and then suddenly whack the ball across into an area where there was absolutely nobody. Um, and and that was so frustrating. He's now getting his head up. In I mean, the way he picked out Wilson for the opening goal uh, down at West Ham was fabulous. Uh, so I'm delighted for Maxi. Uh, but like you were saying, the words consistency, he's got to keep going. He's got because if he keeps going, he stays in this side, man, because he's got something other players haven't got. So if he can keep going, he stays in this side and um, becomes an important part of us next season instead of a possible summer sale or a bench sitter. Hmm. Yeah, no, great to see. Great to see he's risen to, to the challenge and, and hopefully more to come from him. How important, John, is it and how difficult is it for Eddie Howe to keep this group grounded? Four wins on the bounce, you know, Beating Manchester United, thrashing West Ham, you know, 
understandably, they're going to be high as a kite, but Eddie Howe has to, to keep them grounded, not to rest on the laurels, because, again, a big, big game coming up against Brentford. How difficult is it for him to, to do that? I think, well, it's almost second nature to Eddie for a start. That's the type of guy he is. He's quite grounded himself, isn't he? I mean, you never see him a lunatic on the, on, on the side of the pitch at any game. You know, you, you don't see him getting sent off like uh, the Fulham manager when Mitrovic was doing his war dance. Um, you, you don't see that with Eddie. And I think... He's been very clever in picking certain type of people within the St James's Park um, setup when he's signed players. The way they are as people has always come into play. And the only one that might ever have been a prima donna was Maxi, and that's been taken out of him to a great extent. I don't think. I think the players that were already there at Newcastle, um, like Shaw um, and Joe Linton in Murphy, who have been there a while, can remember the bad old days, and that helps to keep them grounded in this good old days, because the good old days are just one season long. The bad old days lasted for an eternity. They know that. Trippier, in his type, all in Bruno, are always Trippier and Bruno, aren't they? It's ingrained in them to to every game to be a warrior and take nothing for granted. Pope, I would put into that that sort of situation. I think he's got the right sort of guys on the field for them to stay grounded. I don't worry too much about that. I don't think we've got many big time Charlies, you know. And it's the big time Charlies that, uh, and that's what I thought Manchester United lacked against us. They had so many big time Charlies and so many flaky characters. When it was suddenly going wrong for them, they're going to get a pet lip on, aren't they? And if you make somebody like Fernandez your skipper who walks about with a permanent pet lip, even when things are good, then you're you, you, you really just accentuating the problem. I don't think we've got that problem. And, and you can see that as well, you know, when Eddie Howe was asked about Champions League football in his interview after the game against West Ham, he didn't want to answer it. He kept, he kept getting pressed, but he just he wasn't having it. And I think, you know, that shows you that he's, he is concentrating it game by game um, and he is grounded. He's not thinking about next season, potential nights uh, on the continent. He's thinking about, you know, Brentford and then Aston Villa, which is, uh, which is I think, definitely the right uh, focus to have. Before I ask you for your score prediction, John, or your result prediction, sorry, I'm going to ask you for your team on Saturday. And it's going to be difficult because goodness knows yeah, you have Matt Ritchie on the wing, Jamal Lewis at left back, and um, Javi Manquillo in goal. But <laughs> I was, I mean, let's let's be serious for a moment. Obviously, Nick Pope in goal, it, you know, he brings on Manquillo, but you think that's just to give Trippier a bit of a rest. So we oh, take yeah. Trippier, yeah, Trippier right back. You yeah. see him centre-back pairing share in Botman? Absolutely. Now, Dan Bain, we've spoken about that. I can, yeah, I mean, we do feel that that decision's it's definitely not too far down the road. Um, I mean, I worry, and I would never have a go at Dan because he, he cares so passionately about the club. For goodness sake, he was a supporter on the terraces before he started playing for us. He's got such a great attitude towards football, etc., etc. 
but he is eight foot six and he is one paced. Now we call that isn't a matter of opinion, that's fact that he's eight foot six, and it's fact that he's one paced. And if you then play left, the one thing an eight foot six, one paced player doesn't do is play left back because you're exposed, and especially because you get a lot of tricky wingers. If you're in the center of the field with people around you, it's a lot easier. It was going to catch up on him. He's done magnificently to play there deservedly so many games on the bounce. But if we go next season with, with Dan Burnett left back and we're in the Champions League going away to Bayern Munich, etc., we're in big trouble. And mm. I think there is a case for bringing in Matt Target, but I don't think Eddie will do it. But what do I know? Because Eddie does everything differently. You know, I wonder whether he might play either Matt Target or Matt Ritchie even on Saturday. Oh, dear me. Dan, Burn for... Dan, Dan Burn can defend. Mm, Matt well, yeah, Ritchie but can I, defend. I, so the, 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 the main point being that I wonder whether he'll take Dan Burn out and rest him and then put him back in for, for Villa. If he does that, it's got to be for Target. Matt Target. Ritchie. Can you remember Matt Ritchie playing left back with uh, with Steve Bruce? I can't. I, mean, I can't. He, he turned round so many times. He drove himself into the turf because he because he was twist. God bless him. He was an outside left trying to. Yeah, play I know. I, and I said Matt Ritchie kind of you know as a last kind of as because he, he's not going to play Jamal Lewis. And it's just no. whether Matt Target has got enough minutes under the belt that worries us slightly. But I can see Dan Byrne being rested for Brentford. Um, in the midfield, then John Bruno going to start. Yeah. And then Longstaff, you would think, would start. Is yeah. it then between Willick and Joe Linton? I mean, what's occurring? Well, the, the biggest certainty is Joe Linton plays. Plays. Oh, yeah. Joe Linton was brought back in and scored two goals when he doesn't score goals. I mean, he didn't score goals as a centre-forward, bless him. Um, but he scored goals and he was a colossus in there. And he's built to be a colossus, isn't he? Um, I think that he'll, he'll, and by the way, Joe Linton is rested because he's just had a two-match ban and just gone on his sub against Manchester United. So Joe Linton plays because his legs are still as fresh as a daisy, if legs can be fresh as a daisy. Um, so Joe Linton plays because the reason I say that is because you could play Joe Linton left wing, which is where he scored his second goal and bring Willock in, but you then drop Maxi. And I don't think you do drop Maxi. I think Maxi and Murphy have done terrific and they deserve to start and will start. And before you ask, you will start Wilson for Isaac. Although, uh, on, because he got two. And the centre-forward that scores two isn't dropped because that's what centre-forwards are there to do. Score goals. And if you do it twice, uh, so he will play. I think it's all tough on Isaac, by the way. Because I think he's been terrific. And, what a great, what a great way to respond to it, coming off the bench and scoring. I mean, my, my head actually hurts, John, talking about all these possible selection dilemmas and, and not being able to make a decision because someone's played poorly. My head actually hurts that we're sitting here thinking, well, realistically, you can't really drop or rest anyone because they've played so well. Yet those not in the starting eleven also have played well when they've started, and it's sure. it's, it's it does take a little bit of getting used to. Well, but, um, it's a tremendous dilemma to have, and long may it continue. So, with saying Bruno Longstaff, Joe Linton, Maxi Murphy, Wilson, 
I am saying that. Yes, yes, I am. Um, because we want... Uh, uh, but, I mean, it was... You know, if I was Isaac, you, you talk about team spirit, that showed him because he'd come on and he was smiling. And so he had every reason to be like a well-smacked bum after being dropped um, for, for that particular game because... He has got all the headlines. Everybody said what he's on the verge of being the next genius centre forward in a club that has number nine legends, etc., etc. All of a sudden, he suddenly thinks, "Well, I couldn't get in the team to start with when Wilson was playing poorly, by the way, which is not now. And when I do get in the team and score goals, I'm then dropped." And by the way, the goal he scored, it was wonderful the way he stood with his, his arms on his hips and all that sort of thing. But I would have knocked that one in. What the hell was Fabianski doing? He ended up behind the, the, the centre forward. I mean, Isaac's got pure class. But I mean, I could have knocked that. Chris Wood, no, I won't go there. Anyway, uh, it was quite an easy finish for him, but it was lovely to see. And I was pleased for him. Because having been dropped, and you can use any phrase you want, like rested and whatever. He was dropped because there was a chance of the two of them having been dropped. It was lovely of him to get a goal and show that he is part of the team. And now you look at the bench that we had at West Ham and you bring on Willock and you bring on Isaac and you bring on Gordon. All three of those have a case to start because they're quality players. So it's terrific to have them and that allows you to play Wilson and, and your wingers and say to them, run yourself your blood to water for an hour because I'll be bringing you off. You needn't pace yourself for an hour and a half. Run your blood to water for an hour because if you're the two wingers, I'm going, I've am going. i got Gordon to come on. I've got Isaac to come on. I've got Willock to come on and Joe Linton can go on the wing. So he can sacrifice both his wingers and his centre forward. He can say to the front three, you can play as if a game only lasted an hour because I can replace you all with people almost of the same quality. That's terrific. That is, now you're beginning to look as if you're building a Champions League squad, because that's what Champions League squads have got in abundance. Yeah, 100%. Before I get your result prediction then, John, I've got a, a tweet on Wednesday night after uh, the West Ham game from Dina Hoggett, uh, who is a listener of the podcast. So hello, Dina. Um, and he reminded me of uh, he said, "What was your what was your prediction again, Andrew? You've got to face Gibbo now. I'm sure he'll remind you." <laughs> well, I didn't really wish to do that, but seeing as I've been invited to do it, yes. I mean, I, there's no greater Newcastle fan than you, unless it's me. But you, you've still shown apprehension, which I understand against Manchester United and against West Ham that there might be draws. And we won them both convincingly. One with a convincing performance against Man U in a convincing scoreline against West Ham. Um, so, immediately, I would say exactly what I said in the last game it, at West Ham. There is no chance of us, I'm tempting fate here, of us losing at Brentford because of the way we're playing. So, I've just got to decide between a draw and a victory. And over three away games, before this started, before we played any of them, uh, before we played West Ham, you would think you're going to get, even though you can be uh, unbeaten in those three, 
you're going to get a draw out of three away. You're getting three away wins on the bounce all in one week or a week and a half or whatever. It takes some doing. Uh, so where will the draw come? And I would like to think that perhaps it would the draw would be at Aston Villa and we beat Brentford. And so I'm easing that way. But we'll either draw or win at Brentford, we're not going to lose. Um, so I'm going for... I'm, I know, I know you would prefer... Would you prefer me to say would it draw, we were going to draw the last two and we're going to lose at Brentford? No, no, John. I mean, I, you, you say what you like and as long as Newcastle United win every game, it's fine. Um, I agree. They're not going to lose against Brentford. Um, for those uh, asking, my prediction was a draw against West Ham. Um, I just think it's a really... It's a totally different challenge. Totally different challenge. I mean, on paper, you can say West Ham and probably have the better squad maybe than Brentford. But, you know, there's loads, loads of other elements you, you throw into that. The fact they've only lost two in 17, uh, you know, the, the form where they're on the league. It's under it, you know, the Brentford Stadium is, is quite a special atmosphere, much better than uh, what it's like at the London Stadium. It's going to be a difficult game. Um, but you're going to say a draw here. You're going to say a draw, my friend. I would accept the draw, by the way. No, I'm going to go a win. I'm going to go a win. Just to just to uh, please everyone listening, I'm going to go for a win. And then, <laughs> you know, we're, we're feeling confident. And, and to be fair, they're on that wave on the Newcastle. And, um, you know, yeah, I think if, if they can show that clinical edge that they did against West Ham uh, when they didn't really play at their very best, then they shouldn't really have too much trouble, but they've just got to make sure defensively they don't give Ivan Tony um, the kind of space that they did give West Ham in, in in the early part of that game. So tough game, but yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a win. A win. That that's isn't it lovely to be positive, my old friend? Because a couple of seasons back, it was very difficult to say that Newcastle would manage a draw. The, the, the heart and the head was telling you we'd lose every time we played. And we were having to force ourselves to be able to say, I think we'll get a point this time. I think we'll get a point. Um, so it's a new world. As I say, it's several suits instead of uh, Doss House rags. And uh, I, I love the second. I've always been a bit of a several war and a cigar guy. <laughs> Great <laughs> to see. Uh, John, thank you as always for uh, popping on to the match preview to you guys listening. Hit that like button and leave us a rating and review. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we're bringing you all the stuff Eddie always had to say prior to the game against Brentford. Then our dedicated live match blog over on the website for this 3pm kickoff against Brentford.